0: Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this word of God will bless your life and ministry, and increase God's blessing upon you. First Corinthians 6 and 19, let's go in the word of the Lord. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not... You're not, you're not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I going to go into the word of the Lord tonight here where Paul began to write. My title tonight is God's word for the temple. God's word for his temple. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your gracious love and mercy and grace. Thank you, God, for keeping your hand on those, God, who could have been a lot worse than it was today. We know, God, you're gonna answer our prayer for Sister Darlene. You're a miracle worker. Our faith's in you. Touch those others that are sick, the babies that are sick tonight and adults. We love you. We praise you. We give you the honor and praise for all you're gonna do in Jesus. Everybody say mighty name, Amen. You can be seated. Now, understanding when you read parts of 1 Corinthians, you read through the Bible, it's all for a reason. Paul goes into Corinth in the city of Corinth, saint of God, to preach the gospel and start a church he founded, who he founded this church. You got understanding when Paul went in and what he had to deal with, the culture and the sin he had to deal with. Like most ancient Greek cities, Corinth had a high city set up on a mountain, a hill, that rose 2,000 feet above the city. It was used for two things, for defense and for worship. Paul, as he went into this place, it helped the very temple to Astrite, the Greek goddess of love. There in Corinth, upon the mountains, this Greek goddess of love had temples. It also had some 1,000 priestess, uh, women, uh, who were religious prostitutes who lived and worked at these temples. Many farmers believed at that time they believed they could go to those temples and have relationship with these uh, prostitutes and their land would become more fertile. You see, at that time, they would come down in the evening time uh, went into the city and uh, they would invade it. Offer their services to male citizens and foreign visitors that would come in through. Because of this female, because of their female fertility and sexuality, women were more valuable back then. Paul was having now to deal with a church he just started. He was having to deal with issues of ethics of life and morals in the current church. You understand they were coming out of temples. They were prostitutes and they were used to that world and they were used to ways they lived and acted and how they produced. But now Paul was praying them through the Holy Ghost but he had some issues that he had to deal with to teach them how to be godly. You see, he began to lay because the church was being filled with those of this kind that came out in moral pagan ways. He laid out in this letter of Corinth ways to live. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He was telling them, ladies, you don't go to that temple now. Now you have become the temple of the Holy Ghost. You see, we are a saint of God to be godly examples to a moral world that we live in. We are not to live like them. We are not to be like them. We are to live a different life, Christ-like, because we are the example of Christ here on earth. Understand, Paul dealt with these issues, understanding these prostitutes that were being filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul had to teach them modesty, and now their bodies, your bodies now belong to God because they were used to giving their bodies for men and for pleasure and for money and for a religious reason. Now, starting in chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul began to have to deal with the issue. This is funny, but this is what he had to deal with first. Paul was having to teach them how a Holy Ghost-filled person are to deal with disputes. They were coming into the church dealing with disputes like they were dealing out in the ordinary world. You see, he see, he said, how dare you to file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? He said, you can't live like that. We cannot do that that way. The reason was in verse 2 and 8, he said, don't you realize that someday, don't you realize that someday we will judge the world? Paul tells them, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 through 8. Paul says, one day we're going to judge the world. Don't you know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you worthy to judge the smallest matter? He was teaching them, you can't go to court and sue everybody over every little issue. If we've ever been in a suing generation, we're in a suing generation. If they can catch you any way to sue you over something, they want to sue you to get some easy, cheap money for themselves. Paul had the same issue in Corinth, dealing with people who in the church were trying to sue each other. Maybe I'm hitting something before it comes. But you see, he said, No, you're not that we will judge angels one day. How much more things that pertain to this life? He said, if then you have judgment of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are the least esteemed in the church. He said, I speak to you, your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. He said, listen, is there not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brothers. Instead of taking it to the court of the land, pick a wise brother in the church, set it down before him, discuss both sides, and let him judge the issue. He said, because one day, we're gonna judge the angels and judge the world. If you don't know how to deal with a dispute here, How can you judge when we get to the other side? So you see, he rebukes them for doing it in front of unbelievers. But brothers, going to law with a brother and that before unbelievers, you're showing yourself as a shame to God. Anybody following me? He said, you're showing your shame to God. You're a bad witness for Jesus Christ. This is not how we deal with that in the church. Anybody hear me? This is Bible. If you got a dispute, he said, you set it down before a wise elder. You share both sides and let him be a judge. Because one day, Brother Randall, you're gonna judge angels in the world. And if you can't, Learn to do it now. How in the world is God going to put you in charge then? Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to the law one with the other. You caused a fault. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Y- y'all ready? I don't know if you're ready. To hear this. Why you're not ready to take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourself to be defrauded? He said. Why not take the wrong and go on instead of going to the world and letting the world see how we do it and become a bad example of a Holy Ghost-filled child of God? Y'all ain't read your Bible, did you? It's there. Nay, you do wrong. He said you do wrong when you do that and you defraud. That's your brother. Y'all quiet in the house. Paul is having that problem in a pagan world that they were doing the same thing. Guess what? We, we got the same issues going on in the in church around. I said in court a few years ago with a Pentecostal pastor who I stood up for, and some other Pentecostal pastors wouldn't stand up who lived close to him. And that's why sometimes I back off and I don't support him because if you can't stand up for a brother because your name's more important than what's right, I ain't got time for you. I said in court through it all. And it was a shame. It should have been took care of among our elders, and it was going to be took care of because somebody pushed the issue. But at the end of it, I watched the judge sit there with tears running down his face and help the word of God up. He said, "Why didn't you take care of the way God told you to take care of it? This is a shame on you and your church. So Paul's having to deal with folks like that, saints. God desires saints that we work it we work it out. Because we represent the church of the living God. We are to work disputes out between believers. We need to get an elder, someone wise to help settle the dispute. Paul was having to teach saints of God. Then we don't rule the church oh, as the world rules itself. I don't, did you hear me? We don't rule the church. It seems like this is kind of new to some of you. Uh, We don't rule the church as they rule the world. We rule under grace and mercy. I said we rule under grace and mercy. You see, he was having to deal with this stuff. You see, they were trying to bring the ways of the Corinth into a new founded church and Paul had to teach them. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, please, 10 11. Paul went on. He said, Those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. No, you're not. The unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God. Do not deceive, neither fornicators, adulterers, or uh, idolaters, or adulterers, or infeminate, or abusers of themselves with mankind. Paul, nor thieves or covenants, or drunkards, nor ravelers or extorters. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. He was having this spirit and these people to come in that had a lifestyle trying to live it in the church. And such, what did he say? And such were some of you. He's preaching to Corinth. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He said, we cannot live that way because you've been blood-bought, blood-washed. You've got the name that's above every name over your life. You can't live that way and inherit the kingdom of God. He said, those who indulge in sexual sins or worship idols, he said, they commit adultery drunkens, abusive, cheat people. Those who cheat people. Those who cheat people. You can't cheat nobody. When you're on a job and you're doing something, you're doing some work for somebody, don't cheat them to get a little more money. You'll hurt yourself. But most of all, you will hurt the church of the living God. Come on now. You see, Paul was having to deal with that. He was having to deal with sins that were trying to come out of that old pagan world into the church. Paul called out sexual, sexual sins. He knew, their, he knew their help was in the church. It helped deliver them. And he, but he wanted to know that what their sins was. You shall not, he said, inherit the kingdom of God verse 13 he said you say food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food but can't but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality they were made for the lord and the lord cares about the body your body i know food was made for the body and the body for the food but god our body is made for the lord It ain't made for sexual sins. Come on, God instructs us not to allow lust reign in our bodies. It's us. You can say, oh, you know, I got a problem. You can go to many counselors as you want to. It makes me sick. The only way to overcome anything is through the Holy Ghost and the name that's above every name and you choosing not to submit to the lust of the flesh. You see, saints, God instructs us not to allow, not to allow it. Romans 6 and 12 tells me in you. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Say, let not. It ain't. I ain't. I'm, I'm not to come and counsel you all the time. So you know you gotta. You gotta quit this. uh uh-uh. uh You gotta do it yourself. Let not. Oh, here we go. I've been praying, Lord, clean my my act up when I preach and clean my, my words up and let me be more professional. And I have been. Jesus hears me. But sometimes I want to shock you back to reality and have to say things I don't want to. And I'm sorry. But let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. We are the ones who controls our body. That you should what? That you should obey it in the lust thereof. you got to control it where you won't follow the lust. James says, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin and sin brings forth death. Your first thing is going to be lust. Turn those nasty phones off. Do not let sin control. The strongest help, listen to me, the strongest help you have against the will of the flesh is prayer. The more you pray in the spirit, you strengthen yourself against fleshly lust. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You want to know the solution how to overcome your flesh? The first thing you may have hard doing but the second one you will fight to do. That's fasting. And it works. The man who brought this boy to the disciples and they couldn't cast him out Finally, Jesus come down, and Jesus said this, and he cast them out. And they said, how did this happen, Lord? He said, this only comes by prayer and fasting. The only way to overcome the spirit of your lust is to pray every day you get up and breathe. Help me, God, strengthen me, oh almighty. And push back some food. From your plate and say, "I'm fasting to get through this. I'm fasting to overcome my will. I'm fasting to outgrow this." You can fast and pray and get strong. You have to do it yourself. The church ain't gonna go on twenty one day fast for you. We y'all fast and I ain't. Got, I'm gonna eat. I ain't got no problem with your problem. So verse 15 says, and don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? It's Amplified Study Bible. Listen to this. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join with a prostitute? If your body is part of Christ and you take it and join with a prostitute, Paul said never do it. He said if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he's become one body with the prostitute. So that means you leave Christ, you join with that prostitute, you become one body, one spirit with her. You join with her as one body. It hurts God. Listen what I'm saying. Listen, it hurts God because you join with that spirit and leave him and follow your own desires. God, his desire is you to follow him. You understand? He said, I will give you the desires of your heart. But you gotta, it hurts him. When you leave him for that person, that spirit, follow it and join with it, you, you leave him, it breaks God's heart because you leave him for her. Your body leaves him and joins her in unity. This is in the Bible, I want you to know. You see, to solve the problem... With your struggles with with lust, you must understand who you become after you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 19 says it don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? My body. My body, Paul said our bodies be- belong to God. Your body don't belong to you. Many people, you ready? Many people say they, they have the right to do whatever they want to with their body. I can do whatever I want to. You better hold your role. You, you, you can I'll do whatever I want to with my body. You go right ahead. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you're a child of God, that body belongs to him. He bought it with his own blood. I'm sorry. I went there and didn't want to go there, but I'm sorry. I'm trying to do better. (laughs) Many many people say, I really am. I really, I want to be more professional. That's just me. Many people say they have a right, but you don't have a right. Although they think that this is freedom. Oh, if I can do what I want to do, it's freedom. But Brother Cody, they're really they're really enslaved to their own desires when they do it. When they do what they want to do and they say, I can do what I want to with my body, you're really enslaved to your own desires. When you say, I ain't going to quit that, that habit, I, I don't have to give that up, you better hold your role. I'm here to tell you right now, either I read that wrong or read it right, your body belongs to me. I can't hear you. Who's it belong to? God, it don't belong to you. It belongs to God Almighty. So when you you want to huff and puff on some habits or you want to take it or drink it or do I go play around and all that stuff, and you leave God and go join in one body and one flesh with that spirit. It breaks God's heart because you left him because he said to you, if you'll serve me and love me, I will give you the desires of your heart. You see, saints, listen to this. They want to do with their bodies what they desire to do because it looks good, feels good. After we are born again, saint of God, we become spirit-filled, therefore we no longer are our own. This is not my body. Let me say it again. This is not my body. This is not my body. So you see, after we're born again, we feel the spirit. We have been bought with a high price. He purchased you with his own blood. Your body, saint of God right now, belongs to God. You must not violate his standard for living. Paul was having to teach him, Brother Randall some male prostitutes and some female prostitutes. Thank God he was filling the church with pagan people, praying them through the Holy Ghost, but he was having to take time to teach them how to live as a born-again believer. You are a saint of God. You're commanded to honor God in your body. Right or wrong? You are to honor God in your body. God does care what you do to your body. Everybody pay attention. Even when it dealt, when he dealt, I read it last Wednesday night, when he dealt with transvestites, cross-dressing in the Old Testament. You think we got new problems? This is old problems becoming worse. Moses dealt with it. Noah dealt with it. You know what gets me? Read six chapters in the Bible. God's ready to kill everything. Because you know what? The minds of men become more wicked and wicked and wicked and wicked and wicked. We think it's bad now. Oh, to me, I think, my God, it, it must have been worse because God said, I'm gonna drown everything I made. You think about it. God repented after six chapters. God Almighty repented. Come on, saints. But he dealt. God called out an abomination. You say, I'll do, I'll do what I want to in my body. I'll, I'll, I'll wear what I want to. No, you won't. Deuteronomy 22 and 5. Let me throw some word at you. He was having problem cross-dressers, he was having problems with transvestites. I'll be reading more and more articles on this. It is a crying shame what some states are trying to do to our babies. You do a DNA and on a girl, I don't care what kind of sex change they do. You do a DNA, it's going to come back female. You do it on a boy, sex change, you do it on a boy, DNA, a male. I don't care. This is a perverse generation we're living in. And what blows my mind is people backing it. Deuteronomy 22 and 5 says this. Moses said, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. I told someone the other day, let me tell all of you saints something. The only time, you better, you'll never see me in no dress. The only way you see me in a dress is something happened to my clothes. Either I went swimming and somebody took them and I had to grab me a skirt. But either then, I would probably take me some bushes and some limbs and some vines and weave me a skirt. But the Bible called, God said, it's an, everybody say abomination. abomination. You know what abomination is God, to God? He literally hates it with everything. So you are the temple of the Holy God. Who, who thinks it's a privilege? I do, to be called a temple of God. It, it, it a privilege to walk around and say, I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God called it an abomination of what they wore. But you see in 1 Corinthians 3 and 17, if anyone, if anyone defile the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The temple was a physical building in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, saints of God, The temple is me and you. We become a holy place. We are to keep ourselves for a holy God, not who dwells in us. You know what defilement means? Paul had to teach them. Paul had to teach this church defilement. It's the state of being impure, dishonest. It means impurity. To defile something is an act of great disrespect towards God. So when you do it, you defile yourself, it's towards God. Anybody heard, heard anything? Joshua 7, 20 and 21, let me go on. Get into the meat. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel. And thus, and thus have I done. He told Joshua what he done. When I saw among spoils of Godly Babylon, the garment, 200 shekels silver, wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they were hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver was under it. You see, God told him, when you go into Jericho, don't you bring anything out, because everything is accursed. If you get the silver and gold, it's mine. It was God's ties. So you know what he told? You know what he stowed? He stole a the garment they should not took, but he took God's tithes and hid them. Yeah, it was. The silver and gold was God's tithes. So when you hide God's tithes in your house, in your life, you curse your house. So because Achan took their garments, he defiled the whole Israel. Israel went against Ai. They went down to battle. They lost 36 men in battle, took 3,000. They were not supposed to lose nobody. He calls Israel to be cursed because of his sin. When you defile the temple, you lose favor with God. You lose favor, saints. Now get this: if it offends God when you do what you desires want to do with the temple, it 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 hurts God. When you say, I'll do what I want to do. I don't care what that gray-headed old screaming preacher there. I don't care what he preached. I'm going to do. I like this, and it feels good to me. It tastes good. It feels good. It smells good. I'm going to do it. You go ahead. But remember, you're not my temple. You're his temple. You're his temple. He hears everything you say, sees everything you do, and knows every thought you think. Come on. It scares me sometimes when thoughts enter my head. I go, whoa, God, I'm sorry. That's me. Hold on, God. I don't know where that comes from, but that's wrong. It shouldn't have been there. Anybody done that? This is good stuff. Four of you. Thank you very much. Paul, <laughs> Paul had to instruct the Corinth church how to present themselves to God. Let me, I'm, I'm going to get down to landing gear. Now understand me, paint you a picture. Male prostitutes were coming in. Men were coming in. Female prostitutes were coming off the temple. They all had a mark that marked them. They were trying to bring the culture of the pagan into the church. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. Paul had to deal with them with this issue. Men were coming in with long hair looking like women. Women were coming in as a prostitute of the temple, they're all shaving head. That's how they marked the prostitutes and the male prostitutes. Paul said this to the church. He explained to them why you had to do this. Now follow me. He said, But I would have you know that the head of every man is who? And the head of the woman is who? And the head of Christ is God. He said, every man. He was telling the men who come off of this out of Corinth, the pagan world. He said, men, listen to me. Every man, this is what God's law is and his his ethic is. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth, a woman can prophesy, with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even as all if she were shaven. It's a shame. Then he goes on, for if a woman be not covered, let her also be shown, because it's the same. But if it's to be a shame for a woman to be shown and shaven, let her be covered. Paul goes on and tells them. He said, men indeed all not to cover his head. For as much as he is the image of the glory of God, the woman is the glory of the man. Look at this. You understand this. There's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. Let's go to verse 13 through 15. I hope you see something just a moment. Verse 13 through 15, please. He said, there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. Now, if the head of the woman is man, a man dishonoreth his head When he wears long hair, who does he dishonor? Who? And some say, what's long? Well, I know brother brother Josh has been to Israel. I've been to Israel. When men begin to wear their hair down below their collar, over their ears, that was long. Jewish custom is they they have a haircut like mine, but their their locks on the side of their their head are, are, are twirls down. I forgot the name of it. Is it up there? If you got it, 1 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. But, in, but the women, if you go to the waiting wall, they're gonna give you a veil to cover. You're not allowed to go there without a covering. I have been there and heard, heard, a, heard a priest, a woman went up and she, didn't, she had short hair. She said, no, you're not allowed there. Your hair is not long. And she said, why? He said, because our custom to God is this, this is why. If, you, if he covers his head, While a man prays or prophesies, he he disrespects God. Now how does he dishonor his head? He grows long hair. A woman dishonoreth her head if she prays or prophesied without a covering on her head. Who is her head? Her husband. Now look at this. Judging yourself, he said, for yourself, is the right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Is it in it? Obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair. Isn't it a disgrace for that man to have long hair? Understand who he was talking to in Corinth church. He was talking to women who come out of the prostitute and men who was prostitute who marked herself. He said, if you're going to come in here and pray to God a prophesy, ladies, you're going to have a covering. And God already gave you a covering. He gave you long hair. Your long hair is a covering unto God, not to me. He said, even the angels look down on you and see that you are covered when you come into his presence. That's Bible. It's there. And he said, if a man have long hair, it is a shame because God wants you to be uncovered when you pray or prophesy because you're under him and it gives respect to him. That should be simple enough. Should be no problem. Come on. He said, because God gave it to you for a covering, ladies. Why did Paul put 1 Corinthians 11? Because these newborn Christians were coming in, bringing their practice from the paganistic temple into the church, and Paul said, hold on. This ain't how God does. This ain't how the church operates. So he had to teach them how they had to present themselves before a living God. Paul's ultimate reason, saying to God, listen to what I'm going to say. He said, we need no hindrance when we come in and we get a hold of God, we, know how to, we need to know how to walk in here and have nothing in our way that when a woman prays, God hears her, and when a man prays, God hears her. Or when it's time to prophesy, a woman can prophesy, or a man can prophesy, and God use them. He said the angels, this is what makes come. Somebody said the angels. The angels, can you put that back up? The angels are watching and see who is honoring their head. Who is the man? Who is the, who's the head of the man? God. Who is the head of the woman? Man. So if they do it, who do they dishonor? They dishonor the head. Man dishonors God. And the woman dishonors the man. Now listen to this. Paul had so much he had to teach. From dispute to sexual sins to how they looked. He went on further and had to teach on salvation. But most of all, in 1 Corinthians 11, Saint of God, he was trying to tell them, when you walk into the house of the living God, we don't need nothing between you and God because there's moments we need to touch God immediately. So you ain't gonna tell me it ain't Bible. It's Bible. Paul had to deal with issues like that. And with church addition, but you need to understand why. Somebody shall I do it for God? You don't do it for me. You don't do it for Brother David. You don't do it for nobody. You do it for God. Because that's why God put it there for how you walk in and get his presence. He looks down. He's gonna look at Levi and say, hey, he, I can see him. Oh, y'all know, okay. He don't have long hair. I can see him. You say, that's crazy. Well, okay, you believe in speaking in tongues as a born again, as evidence of speaking, as born again? What's the difference? What's the difference? The problem is, is your desires. It's what we, we desire to do. You know I'm right. It's what I want to do. This is my body, I'll do it. No, you won't. Not to honor God, and not for God to honor you. You ain't gonna do it. It's in the word and that's the way it's going to be and we're going to be judged by it. I would hate to stand before the throne and God said, why did you do that? Because I wanted to. Well, I'm sorry. My Bible said you can't, my word said you can't. I'm sorry you can't enter. Now, I don't know if you're going to like these Wednesday nights or not, but this is the way it is. The pillar's got to be strong for the church to stand. Is it right? Anybody learn anything tonight? Now, if you didn't, it's because your desire, your flesh is telling you this is crazy. This ain't right. I don't believe in that. Well, it's the word. You you argue with God. But Paul had to deal with disputes, suing each other. They were acting crazy. He said, why not sit? Because you're going to judge angels one day. Why not sit down with an elder who has great wisdom, share your dispute, and let him be the judge? Because one day he's going to help judge angels and the world. Then he had to deal with sexual sins. Women in the church, prostitutes were coming in trying to do the same thing they were doing out of the church. Oh, oh, I hear you, God. You can't do the same thing you did in the world. Right. Men were trying, male prostitutes trying to bring homosexuality and, and, and transvestite. He said, you can't do that. We can't be like that, men. This ain't how God wants us to be. So he's having to change their thinking, their, their teachings. He had to change everything about it. You see, all things we want to hear, and I say this kindly because I love preaching this. We want to hear faith, signs, wonders, and miracles, and how to get rich and how to have a quick house, quick car. Thank you, Ma Carl. Thank you very much. That's the truth. We want faith, but sometimes, but God's been beaten in my spirit, and I'll stand before Him one day, Ma Carl, and I'm gonna say. He's going to say, well done. I said, it was hard, Jesus. He said, I know. They didn't want to listen. But it'll save your soul. Everybody wants to be saved. Stand to your feet if you don't mind. I guarantee you, you ain't prayed no harder than I prayed over this lesson. Because I don't want to offend nobody. I want to bring revelation and insight. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I love you anyway, what you think. I still love you. Jesus loves you. But how many thanks God that he'll share with you there's more for us? So let's ask the Lord, touch everybody, touch our minds and spirit tonight. Lift your hearts and hands to him. If you don't mind, and say, Father, thank you for your love and grace for me. Thank you for the church of the living God. I want to be an example to this lost and dying world. Tell him, saints of God, tell him. We pray today that this word has blessed you, minister to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.